Mark Cunningham, and welcome to another episode of Overcaffeinated. Um, like we say, it's like the view, but not terrible. Um, so we have a, a a very special guest on top of our normal panelist, Justin Owen. We'll say hi to Justin real quick. You're kind of overshadowed this time, though, Justin. The least important person here. Yes, that's. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight you for that one. Um, but we have the most versatile guest I think we've ever had on our show. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson is the founder and chairman of the American Cornerstone Institute, a world-renowned neurosurgeon former presidential candidate and Republican frontrunner, United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, otherwise known as HUD. And most importantly, you were in the movie Stuck on You. I think that is really your your claim to fame, right? Is that you, you made a cameo as yourself on Stuck on You. Absolutely. That was kind of fun, actually. <laughs> and you've also won, I think, a million, like, like 2.3 million awards. So he, he, you have just done everything. Um, so Dr. Carson, we really appreciate you being on with us. Well, thanks for having me. It should be quite enjoyable. So before we start, I want to hear about, I, I know that I talked to some of your staff, but I want to hear about um, the American Cornerstone Institute. I know this just started recently. So tell, tell me kind of, this is a nonprofit you started. Tell me the impetus behind doing this. Well, you know, in 2020, after the election, I, re, I said I can finally retire because I had failed retirement the first time. <laughs> and uh, I was ready to go play golf and cruise around the world and just have a good time. But uh, watching how rapidly things were deteriorating after that, I said, I wouldn't have any fun doing any of those things. And uh, so some very dedicated and talented people from HUD joined me in forming the American Cornerstone Institute, which focuses on the cornerstone pillars that were essential to the greatness of our country. And that would be our faith, liberty, community, and life. And we also have a pediatric component to the program called Little Patriots, uh, where we uh, provide beautiful animated teaching lessons about our history, who we really are, about our values. And uh, we have a, a new program called Star Spangled Adventures, in which we take specific topics like Columbus and America, the first Thanksgiving, um, they'll be coming out with new programs uh, every month. And we will be touching on controversial things as well, um, including slavery and things of that nature, but telling the whole story, not picking and choosing little parts so as to push a political objective and to making sure that our students actually know who we are as a nation and uh, if you really look at the big picture, uh, it'd be pretty hard not to be proud of who we are. And uh, teaching people to respect each other, even if you have different opinions, all of those things are so important to us as a nation. And about the only way that our nation, which is incredibly strong, can be brought down is from the inside. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Russia's not going to do it. China's not going to do it. North Korea's not going to do it. Iran's not going to do it. But if it's going to be done, it's going to be done by us. And we have to prevent that from happening by helping the American people realize that we're not each other's enemies. The real enemies are those who are driving wedges based on race, based on gender, income, age, political affiliation, religious affiliation, whatever trying to divide us and make us hate each other. 
Absolutely. And you actually bring me into my first question, which is respecting each other. One of the things that we have seen across the country now is this idea. There's this group called Shutdown DC, which I'm sure you've heard of, which is giving bounties, essentially giving money if you tell them where Supreme Court justices are so they can boycott them while they're eating dinner, you know, yell at them, publicly protest them. And then I saw a recent video too, where, you know, it's not necessarily one sided where you're kind of a conservative comedian, kind of verbally, you know, kind of being rude to AOC while she was walking up the steps of the Capitol. Um, for both of you, this is my first question. What is the line between kind of peacefully protesting and actually harassing people? I think it's a tough line. And, you know, we've heard Mayor Pete yeah. talk about how that. So so uh, we'll start with you, Dr. Carson. What do you think the line is there? Well, I think if you are actually disturbing the way that a person can live, for instance, if they can't go out in peace with their family and eat at a restaurant, that's more than peaceful protesting. Uh, if it's hard for them to walk outside of their home and to go and get in their car safely with their children, then that is beyond the line. Basically, if you're standing you know, a good distance away and you're holding up signs and saying, we don't like what you're doing, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But uh, when you're impeding them from doing what they would normally expect to do that's a real problem and that really should not be allowed and of course it could also kind of turn into violence i know that you know uh, justice kavanaugh had an actual threat to his life there that's part of it so justin where are you at on that where do you think the line is between kind of our constitutional right to protest and what's happening right now in dc I agree with what Dr. Carson said. I mean, you have to be able to protest. It is a foundational principle of our uh, our country. It's in the First Amendment uh, to voice your displeasure with government, and we should always protect the right to do that. But once it starts to interfere with someone else's ability to live and to enjoy their freedoms, uh, that's where it stops. And I think it's even bigger than that these days because we're not just seeing people protest the outcomes of things like Supreme Court decisions or, or other things, they're actually trying to dismantle the very institutions that our country is based on. There are people who don't just want better results at the Supreme Court, they wanna dismantle the Supreme Court as it exists as an institution because they disagree with the opinions uh, mm -hmm. that have come out of late. And I think that's what's very dangerous. It's not just protesting the results and the decisions that are being made, but the very existence of the institutions themselves that you know they've held for well over 200 years. And when you start to disrespect and discredit um, those foundational principles and institutions, it becomes very dangerous for society. I think that's what uh, Benjamin Franklin meant in 1787 after the Constitutional Convention and he walked out of the hall and a woman said, so what do we have here, sir? a monarchy or a republic. And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. That's right. Uh, and as you said, we've kept it for over 200 years, but I think now is the most severe challenge that we've ever had to it uh, because people don't respect each other. And uh, they, you can't have a my way or the highway philosophy in a diverse society. It just doesn't work. You've got to be willing to work with each other. And like I always say, our national symbol is the bald eagle. Bald eagle has a left wing and a right wing. 
It can't fly with two left wings and it can't fly with two right wings, but together it can soar majestically. People have to be willing to give and take and work with each other. We can add poet to your list of accomplishments. That's right. That's very, very, very impressive. Um, so, so one of the major issues, we've been across the state of Tennessee, we've heard this is a problem across the country, is the high cost of housing. Obviously, Dr. Carson, you're kind of in a very, um, uh, you really understand this issue more than most uh, as a segregated HUD. But what can be done to kind of lower the cost of housing from a free market perspective, right? You always hear about these government run programs that don't actually, they actually raise the cost of housing what is something that we can do because i mean people aren't able to pay rent they're the kind of the american dream of buying a house is dead to a lot of people what is your kind of solution from a free market perspective to lower the cost of housing well you know we're a very innovative people innovation and entrepreneurship that's hallmark of america but it's been thwarted by regulation we have the ability to produce things that are nice and they're inexpensive. But by the time you get through with all the regulatory costs associated with it, uh, the noise, the various environmental uh, regulations, um, you know, they stack up one on top of the other. And all of a sudden you've got something that maybe cost $150,000 but your move-in cost is gonna be $600,000, particularly in places like Los Angeles. And uh, that is a place actually where we make, we're making some real progress. Uh, if we'd had another term, I think we could have actually gotten that under control. Uh, I was working with Mayor Garcetti, uh, even with the governor and with the, the county commissioners, and we had come up with things that we agreed on on how not only to get people off the street, but how to actually deal with the problems that cause them to be on the streets in the first place. Because if you don't do that, you just have a revolving door and uh, that doesn't do anybody any good. But it's, it's gonna be the regulations. That is the, the, the primary cause of the extremely high cost. Absolutely. And Justin, I mean, what, what would you say? I mean, do you think zoning, which is kind of a regulation, is part of that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, zoning has a history of both increasing the cost of housing by artificially limiting supply. There are racial impacts that we've seen with zoning. Uh, but as Dr. Carson said, all of these government regulations pile on each other and drive up the cost of housing to where it becomes unaffordable. For people. And this is a real problem in Nashville where we're a, a big in migration state. We we're the number one uh, destination for one-way U-Haul trips last year. Uh, as people move here, it's only going to continue to put pressure on that housing system. And if we don't do something about it, the result is going to be our local governments, who are a lot more left-leaning, are going to do things like rent control. Uh, when we can offer, frankly, bipartisan solutions, as, as Dr. Carson said, some of these de debates and topics around housing can get support from both the left and the right. It doesn't have to be a right versus left. And I think there's real opportunity uh, for us to drive that bipartisan reform uh, in our local communities uh, in, a, in a new way to address housing affordability, to give people more access uh, to, to housing without resorting to things like rent control that we've seen just demolish uh, the chance of home ownership in cities like San Francisco and New York and places like that. 
it would also uh, be nice if the, the government would relent on uh, on some of its regulatory um, just garbage. For instance, uh, if you're getting subsidized housing, government subsidized housing, and your salary increases, you have to immediately report that so that your rent can go up. Uh, if someone else comes into your household who has an income, you have to report that so your rent can go up. These are not things that are conducive to building families and certainly not conducive to self-improvement. And uh, I thought when I came into government that that would be something that would be generally agreed upon. It's not. Hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people on Capitol Hill who don't want people to move up the ladder. They don't want people to be self-sufficient. And uh, they'll do everything they can to block those kinds of, of situations. But we have to continue to fight that fight. And there's the perverse political incentives rather than the incentives that actually help people. Um, so, so you guys have agreed too much so far. Let's see if we might get some disagreement here. So I need you to put on your prediction hats here. This is not about who you want or who you prefer, but I'm going to ask you a hypothetical 2024 primary, both sides. So if we have President Trump and Ron DeSantis, I'm asking you who you think would win that if you'd bet money on it. And then on the other side, assuming we'll just assume Joe Biden's not there and you have Elizabeth Warren, Mayor Pete, and Kamala Harris. I, I just want to hear your predictions. I mean, it doesn't matter who you like or don't like. So Justin, why don't you start with you on this one? Who do you think wins a Republican and Democratic primary with, with that field? You know, I think Trump is always a factor, right? And you, you can never count him out. But I do think DeSantis has built a brand that's a little more palatable to more Americans while still holding true to some of the things that Trump supporters really believe and, and not abandoning those things. So between those two, I'm actually going to go with DeSantis, not by a lot, uh, but I think that he could run a ground game in early states and and take the lead there. On the Dem side, so who, who are the so Mayor Pete, Elizabeth Warren, and Kamala Harris. We're going to assume that Biden retires and, you know, his health just isn't there. So who do you go in that hypothetical situation? I'm going to go with Elizabeth Warren. I think that the, the left has taken control of the Democratic Party to the point that they're not going to tolerate another moderate that, frankly, you know, for his entire career, Joe Biden was um, before he became president. And so I think that they would even move further to the left and and go with Elizabeth Warren. So, Dr. Carson, would you go with your former boss or do you, or do you think Ron DeSantis would win a primary? Well, I think that's a, a very difficult question. Um, when you look at the kinds of crowds that Trump is getting, and the enthusiasm of those crowds, it's, it's hard to dismiss that. Um, and, I, and I think if he moderated his tone, which he might well do since he can't run again after that, uh, I think he could probably get the nomination. Uh, and I think DeSantis is probably smart enough to realize that he's in a very good position and let those four years go by and, and he's in a very good position to get an eight year term. And if you believe polling at all, I mean, it does show Trump up by about 30 points in a, in a hypothetical primary. So what about the left? What do you think about the Democratic Party? If you, again, you, I know it's a coin toss at this point, but if you had to put you know, your money on somebody, would it be Elizabeth Warren, Mayor Pete? I mean, uh, Kamala Harris, who do you think would, would be their standard bearer? Well, remember in the 1992 election, 
at this time, uh, nobody knew who Bill Clinton was. <laughs> and uh, I don't think any of those people that you mentioned are going to be it. I, yeah. I, 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 think, I think the Democrats sometimes don't demonstrate tremendous intellectual ability, but I think they know <laughs> that they've got to come up with something better than what they've been tossing out there. Okay, so we're gonna go with other. I like that. So a choice of other if Biden's there. Um, so I heard from a, a little birdie told me that Dr. Carson is a very good pool player. So, so you're a good billiards player. For, so my question for this one is, have you ever hustled somebody at pool? I mean, you see all those movies. Have you ever kind of gone to a, a bar, one of your friends and act, like, have you ever hustled somebody? I would never do such a thing. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's kind of a surprising fact about you. It's not super well known. I, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just a very famous neurosurgeon. Let me just pretend to be bad and then just kill them the second game. <laughs> well, you, you know who else is a really good pool player? It's Mike Lindell. The my pill. Is he really? In fact, he used to run a pool league in Minnesota. Fascinating. And, uh, we've had some some uh, very challenging tournaments. <laughs> oh man, bring out the competitive. That, that's that's interesting to know. You never that's kind of a weird sport. You never know who's gonna be good at that, but that's a very yeah. cool fact. Just I guess I, I don't know if you're good at pool or not, but if you do you have a skill that you've ever hustled somebody at? Not at pool, but in a bar, uh darts actually. My some friends and I got really good at darts, and so we would play around at our, our favorite bar down the street in college and would occasionally hustle some people because they thought, you know, especially these older guys they are like kind of you know the, the regulars at the these bars and they're like in their 50s and you can tell they've been there every night of their life um they're pretty good at it and think oh yeah these little college kids can't can't hang but we do pretty good with them so i gotta be honest you look like watching professional darts you look like you'd be a professional darts player i think you have to look for that i don't know you, you just that's not an i didn't know there was a look for such a thing <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's just that you know i think it's the hair it's you got that professional darts look um so so my last question here before we kind of go into these fun things i know that you're both avid readers i know that's something that you you know you both do often um you know for our listeners give us a suggestion something you've read recently that you would really suggest other people read it can be fiction it can be historical it can be whatever you want so dr carson we'll start with you what is the kind of the last book you've read that you really enjoyed and you would you would uh, say other people should read uh created equal it's a book that i wrote okay <laughs> there you go see sell himself there you go created equal by dr ben carson there you go <laughs> along with with my wife but just because uh i noticed that everything seemed to be circling back around to race these days uh inappropriately quite frankly and that uh, there has been a tendency to use racial issues as a cudgel to beat people into submission, to make white people feel guilty, to make minorities feel like victims. And that's not who we are as Americans. And you know, we need to look at the real facts. You know, when you take something like the George Floyd incident, played 24-7 incessantly. I have some friends in Australia, they say they played 24-7 there incessantly to make you think that unarmed black men were being killed by police officers every day. When in fact, according to the Washington Post, certainly not a conservative publication, uh, less than two dozen black men are killed by police officers. Un unarmed black men are killed by police officers. and. Uh, so it's being used to create a narrative because around the same time as the George Floyd incident, 
there was another one that was almost identical. Knee on the neck, face on the ground, saying, I'm going to die. And he did die. Almost no attention because the victim was a white man. Didn't fit the narrative. Who cares? Uh, and I talk about all of those kinds of issues in the book and uh, why we need to really readjust our thinking on racial issues. By this point, you had to be sick of getting called racist by these like white liberal hipsters, granola people. I mean, how frustrating is that to hear these from these people who have, they never walk a day in your shoe and they're calling you racist. I mean, that's gotta be frustrating. Well, they are the real racist because they think that they have the right to tell you what you have to think and how you have to behave. Probably the most racist thing I've ever heard was said by our current president. He said, if you have trouble deciding between me and Trump, you ain't black. How does he get to determine that? That's very racist. That was on Charlemagne. Yeah, that was a big deal. And I was surprised that didn't get more press. That was that was a really questionable statement from, again, you hear from these, you know, liberal white people and somehow they, they get a pass from the left on it. Um, Justin, so for you, give me, I know we're going to move it a little bit, but what book have you read recently that you would really suggest that, that people read? It hasn't been too recently, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Uh, the Splendid and the Vile. So it's about Churchill during World War II. So now that the Tories are going through the process of, of picking a replacement for Boris, that made me think a lot about that book and just, you know, they've got a big shoes to fill to find somebody like Churchill. And I think to some degree, we've got some of the same problems here in America. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. So we're going to do this or that. So this is a game where you have to pick, we have two choices and you have to pick which one you prefer with a one sentence reason why. And we kind of did this. I talked to your staff, Dr. Carson. So these are your interests. These are the things that you really like, but you have to pick one or the other. I know. So the first one is classical music. I've heard you like that. So you got to pick one, Beethoven or Mozart. Who, who was your pick on that one? Uh, Bach. Okay. Oh man, <laughs> go, go, go for number three. Okay. So why Bach? Uh, because every piece that he wrote uh, in the upper left-hand corner, he wrote to the glory of God. Okay, well, there you go. It, it, you can see how much smarter. I mean, I had to look up these guys. I'm like, I don't know who classical musicians are. I was like, I, mean, I don't So I, Beethoven and Mozart were the first two I found. So Justin, do you even know a Beethoven or Mozart song? I, yeah, I do, and I actually prefer Mozart. Why, why is that? I don't know. I just like his music better, generally speaking. But I do like to listen to some classical music kind of in the background when I'm working. It's it's very peaceful. Well, there you go. So Dr. Carson also a big pizza fan, but I know that you're not not a big meat eater. So what is the better topping on pizza? The vegetarian topping, mushrooms or onions? What do you go with Dr. Carson for a better topping? I love both of them, but onions are great they were a gift from god i just they flavor <laughs> things so nicely <laughs> i just love onions it's hard to get past the texture for me it tastes good but it, it's so slimy it feels like you're kind of having a snake well, or you something. don't cook your onions well if they're slimy well i don't i don't cook at all but <laughs> hypothetically when i get to my restaurants they're slimy you and mushrooms are great because a truffle comes from them that's the best part about mushrooms you saute them if if, if you take a saucepan with some olive oil and you put some chopped onions some mushrooms and some peppers in it and you saute it and then put a little bit of tomato sauce in it anything you put in there will be delicious 
So, okay. So it's the seasoning. You put all that stuff and you can put it out. That's good. As if I can't feel more inadequate. Now Dr. Carson's telling me how to cook as if he's not better than enough other things. We have to get cooking on top of that list. So Justin, what about you? You go mushrooms or onions on, on pizza? All mushrooms. I love mushrooms. In fact, when I was a kid, you know, there's like cans of Jolly Green Giant mushrooms. I used to just eat them with this being like a weirdo. So <laughs> that is super weird and of kind of gross. <laughs> oh, they were delicious. <laughs> Well, there you go. So the better one of the one of the interesting thing is that apparently you're a big root beer guy that you love root beer, Dr. Carson. So and, and you can do another choice on this one. I actually go Sprecher is my favorite book. Do you go A&W or Barks when you're what's your favorite root beer? I love any root beer as long as it's cold. It doesn't matter. Uh, between A&W and Barks, I'd probably go with A&W because it's less caffeine. One, one of the more, one of the better things to do with root beer is when you get one of those ice cold glasses too. You get one of the, like, it's almost like a normal beer, but it just tastes so good when you have the frozen glass and it, it, it's perfect. What about you, yeah. Justin, A&W or Barks? I'm going to pull a Dr. Carson and say neither. There's a brand called Jones that makes like really good root beer. I actually prefer cream soda too. So I'm going to go with Jones cream soda, none of the above. So you changed the entire question, but that's great. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have Jones at uh, at H and S Bagel. That's one of the one of the sodas they yeah, have. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It's good. Yeah. Okay, so the last one is, and I know that you've lived in both of them. What's a better city, Palm Beach or Baltimore? I, I know it's different, but which one would you rather live in? Doctor Carson, you need to go first. Well, I live in Palm Beach Gardens, so that probably answers the question for you. But but uh, you like Baltimore, right? I, I know you were you you went to Camden Yards. You're an Orioles fan. Right? There's a lot to do there. There's a lot of things. And, and, you know, Baltimore, the first time I went to Baltimore in 1972, I was considering Johns Hopkins for medical school. And I said, do people actually live here? Um, but then they went on this great project, the Inner Harbor uh, revitalization and several other things. And it was very successful. Uh, but uh, now, there's so much crime in the city. You know, we had some great mayors, uh, Schaefer and Schmoke and a few others. Um, and things have really changed. And it's not such a safe place anymore. Yeah, when you go outside of Fells Point or the Inner Harbor, I mean, it, it gets it gets questionable really fast. And that's something that you know, Baltimore is such a cool city that you'd like to see them be able to fix that so they get tourism back, like you said they used to. What about you, Justin? You've been to Baltimore and Palm Beach. Have you been to either of those? Yeah, I have. It's been a long time since I've been to Baltimore, but uh, we've got family. My wife's aunt and uncle live just outside of Palm Beach in Briny Breezes, and it's a really cool area. We love going down there and riding the golf cart around. Um, but I'm more curious to know, if Dr. Carson would be angry if the Baltimore Orioles moved to Nashville, like we're hearing they might. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I was a, a real avid Baltimore Orioles fan. We lived in Baltimore for 36 years. Wow. During that 36 years, the only time they won the World Series was in 1983, was the year that we lived in Australia. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that actually they said that they, the most unexpected win streak pretty much of all time has been this recent Baltimore 10, they had a 10 game win streak. They start out like 20 games under 500 and they said the most unlikely win streak. So who knows, maybe in a couple of years, the Orioles might win again. You're in a different city. So there's a chance, right? I'd tell that. <laughs> so, uh, so Dr. Gross, I'm going to talk about this event that you're having here. And it's actually right down the street from me in Franklin. Um, so you have an event down the road. It's going to be Friday night. 
at 5.30. It's called Rediscovering America. And whoever planned this was very smart. You got Mojo's Tacos, which are unbelievable as the, uh, as the catering thing. So what is this event? And tell me kind of about what you're going to be discussing. We're going to kind of put a link to that so people who watch this can, can RSVP if they'd like. But tell us what the event's about. Well, you know, there's been so much negativity about our country uh, recently. And it's spread all over the place. A lot of our young people are not proud of who we are anymore. And I think a lot of it stems from the fact that people really don't know who we are. They really don't know their history. You know, your history gives you your identity. And your identity is the foundation for your beliefs. And if you interrupt that chain, you become like a leaf blowing in the wind. And we have so many people who are like that, who are so easily swayed by anything that comes along. Uh, we wanna give people a real foundation and help them to understand what were the founding principles of our country and what is the true history of our country. Um, we hear so much about how America is uniquely evil, for instance, uh, because of slavery. But the fact of the matter is, slavery has been a part of every society since there's been written history. And there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been at any point in time when you look at human trafficking. And the number one consumer of it is the United States of America. We don't have to go back 200 years to find something. But if there was something unique about America and slavery, it was that we had so many people who were vehemently opposed to it that we fought a bloody civil war and lost a large portion of our population in order to rid ourselves of the evil institution. Uh, those are the kinds of facts that we're gonna be bringing out and helping people to understand. We'll be talking about some of the things that we're doing for children now uh, in order to fortify them against indoctrination because our children are our future. And, you know, when you look, for instance, at the summer of 2020 with all the violence and, you know, destruction uh, that went on after the George Floyd Institute, uh, you're seeing the product of indoctrination. A lot of those young people, if you actually go and talk to them, they really don't know who we are as a nation. They really don't know much about our principles. They don't know about our Declaration of Independence and uh, our constitution. And uh, they're very easily manipulated. And uh, this is something that we can't just complain about. We have to begin to fight it. And that's what this is all about. The best way to fight is by educating them on what it really was in the first place. Because yeah, like so many people don't understand that. So it's gonna be an exceptional event. The factory is awesome. And it's, is it all ages too, or is it? Absolutely, all ages. Uh, children will absolutely love it. Awesome. So go to the factory Friday night at 530, get some Mojo's tacos. It's going to be a great event. We will put the link here as well. So if you'd like to go, you can buy it here. Um, and the last question I have before we go is I have to ask it. You were probably, I mean, your presidential run was historic. It was incredible. And you were probably the second most successful first time presidential candidate ever. Unfortunately, you ran against the first, probably most successful first time candidate ever. So my question is, first of all, I, I just want to hear a little bit what that was like. And would you ever, are you kind of ruling out running for office ever again? Or is it something that you are still potentially considering in the future? Well, you know, one thing that uh, President Trump always says to me is, Ben, aren't you glad you didn't win? <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and you have a, a good point there because for the left, probably the only thing that's worse than Satan is a black conservative. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I don't have a particular desire to get into the political arena. Uh, but I will always do what God wants me to do. I just hope that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we really appreciate your time. Please tell Candy we said hello, her, her beautiful voice we heard in the background there. Um, so, but, but this was really an excellent conversation. And again, Friday at 5.30 at the factory, Dr. Carson will be there. It's gonna be a great discussion called Rediscovering America. Um, so we hope to see you there. And Dr. Carson, thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure to talk with you. And can I just mention, you can also uh, get tickets at AmericanCornerstone.org, which is our website. AmericanCornerstone.org. We, we have the uh, his book. He's doing a good job with self-promotion. That's important. So AmericanCornerstone.org. <laughs> uh, thanks so much again, Dr. Carson. We really appreciate your time. And we're looking forward to, to Friday night. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you there.